Welcome to Spew Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Quirinus and I have Asperger Syndrome. I'm Lavender and my daughter, Abby Kadabi, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 42nd Meeting of Spew to Order. Lavender. Hello, Queerness. How are you? We're good. We've been busy, but good. How are you? Good. Good. I think I'm getting a little bit of a rebound in the initial sports. Sports hurt sales, apparently. Apparently. Sports and really nice weather after a quarantine spell. Episodes going out a little bit late this month because we had some recording issues. Sorry about that, guys. It happens. Important dates... I think we've actually already talked about all of the birth dates this month. Deaths, um, Barty Crouch Sr. on May 24th. 29th of May is when Harry killed the Basilisk. And May 30th is the day that Antonio died. Antonio is the baby chupacabra that Grindelwald throws out of the carriage in the beginning of Crimes of Grindelwald. So sad. Very sad. So very sad. We hate it when a creature dies. Although, again, don't really know that Antonio's dead, per se. It was still a sad, tragic event. So, today we're going to be going through the second quarter of Deathly Hallows, mm-hmm. looking for metaphors of autism, of which this book in general, there's not a lot of metaphors. It's it's a lot of action, but also a lot of camping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also a whole lot of people being angry at each other. Mm-hmm. And hungry. And, I mean, I guess they're hungry. I mean, you, you, they, they didn't have to be hungry, but, like, Hermione is only making them mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, her morals are really kind of getting in the way here. <laughs> Not mo- morals, more morals the type of mushroom. No. <laughs> so the first note I have here is Ron had developed an annoying habit of playing with the Deluminator in his pocket. Yeah, this one single sentence uh, set me on a rabbit hole of wizarding fidget toys and thinking about them and what would be good wizarding themed fidget toys. The best fidget toys are the ones that you make yourself. Pen. I have broken so many pen caps. Oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) But also the Rubik's Magic Cube is also a very good one. It's your favorite, I would say. Yeah. The 3 by 3 magic cube is kind of the classic, and it just feels good. Especially if you have a good quality one and not one made by Rubik's brand. Mine would have to be, like, Play-Doh or clay. Mm. Mm. Makes you happy just thinking about it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you ever play with shaving cream? Yes, and so does Abby. That's one of her favorites. I could literally give her shaving cream as a birthday gift, and she would be so happy. <laughs> He walked over to it and sat down, opened the paper at random, and pretended to read. He could not take in the words. His mind was still too full. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, know, I took this out of context. Don't remember exactly what's going on, but yes. <laughs> Happens to me quite a bit. 
but also I'm a I'm a kind of a speed reader and I I will accidentally skim without meaning to. I just kind of do. Mm. So that doesn't help. Mm. And then just a great little creature moment. Perhaps just one more Master Harry for luck. <laughs> Love creature. Then in the beginning of the next chapter, this scene is described out of the normal narrator. So it's kind of confusing talking about all these random strangers staring at this one specific house and how they all share a dislike for normal clothing. Also, yes. <laughs> Speaking of clothing, all of the Merlin, Merlin's pants jokes just, I don't know why, but they still crack me up to this day. Wizard swears. <laughs> I guess because maybe back in the day, like way back in the day, that might have been considered a swear. In Berlin's pants. And it just makes me... <laughs> makes me giggle. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear you're under the weather, said Hermione, talking firmly over the little wizard as he tried to expound upon his problems. Hermione very sadly had to just bulldozer over this poor gentleman who she just made very sick. Was she just, you know, poisoned on a mild scale? Poison is such a... Wizard, Weasley wizarding wheezes poisoning people? I mean, yeah, if you think about it, you can get food poisoning. This is the same thing, almost. Especially the ones that get you sick. <laughs> they, 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 they just... This, they messed up bad and they hurt this per, poor dude's wife. His entire <laughs> life. Period. The wife, the husband, the initial victim, the children. Nobody wins. No. War is bad. It, but it was just random luck that this is who they decided to target. Well, this also ties into the fact that Harry is entirely jumping the gun by wanting to storm the ministry way too fast. I don't think it's too fast. I don't think there's anything that they could have done to get Ben more prepared. If they would have waited one more day, then they wouldn't have ended up... Yeah, but that's just luck and random chance. Sure. And also, heliotrope is just a fancy word for purple. Mm -hmm. I kind of assumed it changed colors or something, but I guess purple's fine. I, could, I, I always thought it was like mauve or something, but no, it's purple. Mauve is purple. <laughs> You know, you told me this before and you were right, so I must conclude that you were right, even though I don't like it. When they enter the ministry, there's enchanted paper clips that coil snake light from the drawer and had to be beaten back. Which sounds so terrifying. <laughs> the ministry's really bad at using human office supplies. And muggle office supplies. Right. I also found it interesting that it's just kind of made this connection that anytime students are writing, they're writing by hand with quill, but anytime an adult writes, they like use their wand and their quill does the writing for them. But do they learn the skill in school? I don't know. Is it like cursive or reading with, uh, without making... What's, what, is there a word for reading to yourself? Uh, quiet reading time? <laughs> no, no. Like that, that skill of the first, do you not have that, that awkward moment of the first time the teacher t tells the class to read and the whole class tries to read aloud and then the teacher's like, no, read quietly to yourself. And the whole class just is like, how do you do that? And the teacher's just like, you just do. 
And then you just do. No. And everyone mouths to the words whispering. No. That's that's not your experience? No, sir. That was very much my experience. <laughs> it's like... No. What is it? Like second grade, I assume? It's gonna be like the first or second day of second grade. Nope. I, I might be slightly off there. I have no such recollection. <laughs> also, Harry kind of brags about Hermione not being able to do Expecto Patronum, saying it's the only spell she's ever had trouble with. Bit unfortunate, really. <laughs> it's 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 funny, but also I don't like it. Like, it's kind of... Some ill-timed comedic break. It's kind of what it felt like to me. <laughs> yeah, because it, it kind of requires Hermione to try to stay in character, but also... Is it in character? I don't know. It, it just, yeah, not, I just, bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> bad joke, author. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in this whole chapter, <laughs> which just proves how much of a mom I am, I think, is the plan that he had been concocting with Ron and Hermione the past four weeks seemed laughably childish. Yeah, because it was. It wasn't well thought out or well rounded. No, but what else could it have been? They didn't have a plan B, C, or D, True. or have any plans for if they got, you know, broken up during the ministry. True. I'm just saying, like, they could have been more thorough. They, yeah, the plan... they, they, they did not have a, uh, they, they should have chosen a location to apparate to that they all knew of to get away from in case they got separated. Yeah, something. Even, even though they couldn't do it within the ministry. Right. They still should have had a, an escape plan. And also, Scary Arthur is awesome. Big and bad, aren't they? Yes, it? yes. But what exactly is the purpose of a rubber duck? <laughs> <laughs> to assassinate, I don't know. <laughs> when they're um, preparing the tent after they escape, one of the spells Hermione uses is Repello Muggletum. Muggletum. It's, and I found it quite funny, but partly because it sounds very made up. Much, much yeah. like when Lockhart uses in the movie, it's not in the book, but the spell he uses to try to repair Harry's arm is Brachiarm Amendo. Which makes sense. And it just sounds made up and bad, and then it fails. And then they just put the, the, put the locket on. <laughs> and th th this angers me so much, because it's clearly what Dumbledore did with the ring. They, 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 they should not have done that. They should have just put it in Hermione's bag. I agree. Or Harry's bag. And they did bag. it without hesitation, too. They were just like, yes. yeah, we're going to wear this Horcrux. We're going to throw it on in shifts. <laughs> right. I like, I mean, Harry has a special bag that only he can open. I, I, I don't see why that was not their first plan. Especially because that's where the, um original you know locket that wasn't the horcrux was for the longest mm -hmm. also i still think it would be safer to summon creature rather than leave him alone with the house getting ransacked because you don't know what he will or won't say I yeah I, I see the logic there i agree also if they stay on creature's good side they could stay on creature's good side and that could be helpful that is probably helpful would at least get fed. True. Where does creature get the food? It's house elf magic. Does it? Does house elf magic have the ability to break Gamp's law? I think so. Isn't that in the book somewhere? 
Oh, maybe. I could be. I could be wrong. I'm gonna take a mental note of that. That would be wild if it could. D- a deep dive into house elf magic. I do know that there's not a lot of information about house elf magic, though. Of course, there's not. Because <laughs> I want to make a podcast about it. <laughs> I also just wrote down the word irascible. Irascible? What? Irascible. See, for me, the most relatable uh, line in this chapter was and i can't even remember what harry was thinking to be honest i think he was thinking that ron and hermione were like talking about him behind his back and he was telling himself you know stupid idea don't think that i tell myself that all the time don't think like that don't think like that get it together yes several times they stopped talking abruptly when harry entered the tent Mm -hmm. this is this is paranoia perhaps you're talking about him perhaps you're talking about someone else that they don't want him to know about Perhaps they're just having a conversation between themselves. Right. Perhaps they're talking about him, which they are. But they're, <laughs> but usually in real life, that's not the case. Unless it is. It is an occasional hazard. It can happen. Oh, and here's our reference to camps. <laughs> Your mother can't produce food out of thin air, said Hermione. No one can. Food is the first of the five principal exceptions to Gamp's law of elemental transfiguration. <laughs> and then, um... She puts a blindfold on the painting. <laughs> he says, remove this foul addition at once. Remove it, I say. You are ruining a great work of art. Where am I? What is going on? <laughs> I just absolutely love that ruining a great work of art is more important than where he is and what's going on. It's desecration. Of course it's more important. Then I had... You know, He was afraid that something had gone wrong inside him. Yesterday seemed a long time ago. Today he might have been 13 years old again, the one who had collapsed on the Hogwarts Express. Time is weird. Time, time is confusing. Time is so confusing. Normal time is confusing. Time travel makes sense. Normal time is confusing. Mm, It all confuses me. Neville is not an idiot and Luna is not an oddity. This sentence was weird to me because Neville is not an idiot, but Luna most definitely is an oddity. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, think of the times. It was, you know, a bad thing to be seen as different. And then in this chapter, we also hear, you know, some people down by the river collecting food. And you know what they do? They just go, Accio Salmon. Out of the river. And I don't Mm -hmm. understand why we never see the trio do this ever again. Or... They don't even do it at all. I don't understand why we never see the trio do this. There is a sentence where it says they adopt this method. I just... Well... It, and and, the, and now it's no longer a problem. <laughs> now we have fish all the time. Although, what magical way do they clean said fish? See? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> they just end up going back to the mushrooms. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's always mushrooms. Referring to Ron's empty bed, it says it was like a dead body in the way it seemed to draw his eyes. Then, finally, having entirely repacked the beaded bag three times, Hermione seemed unable to find any more reasons to delay. This is the correct way to pack. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it's not. Would you suggest four times? I think three times is reasonable. I would suggest packing the night before and having a... Having a list beforehand. Yeah, but then you have to check it. Your list is missing something. You can't trust the list. Not if you work on the list studiously beforehand. 
You'll still forget something. No, I am a mother. I will not. I also love that when Hermione steals food from stores, it says she scrupulously dropped the money into the open till as she left. <laughs> it's She had to be sneaky about the way she was being sneaky about not stealing. <laughs> yeah, it's not like she count out exact change into the till. <laughs> Smiling for what felt like the first time in months, his muscles in his face felt oddly stiff. Are you saying it feels weird to smile, queerness? Yes, it always feels weird to smile. <laughs> but wearing a mask means I don't have to smile. Right. Oh, oh my gosh. Speaking of, <laughs> Abby has started to, <laughs> like if she's trying to ask me for something, we're going to say a popsicle since that's her favorite thing and most typically what she'll ask for. If she's trying to ask me for a popsicle, she's starting to try to copy what I'm doing because she thinks that that's what she'll need to do to get the popsicle, which we're working on that. <laughs> we want her to actually ask for the popsicle. But she started copying me smiling. <laughs> and it's so cute and a little scary, though, because it's not a real smile and it's kind of kind of scary, but it's cute. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but it seemed that to Dumbledore, the fact that their families lay side by side in the same graveyard had been as unimportant coincidence, irrelevant perhaps, to the job he wanted Harry to do. Man, that sentence. And this whole graveyard scene, honestly, they always... It's just such a heavy scene, and I feel like Harry kind of grows up a little bit in this scene. Not that he was super immature or anything, but, you know, he just faces a lot of hard truth in this scene. That the older I get, the more I recognize, and it just it always kind of makes me a little uneasy. Just a little raw, I think, would be the term. This is like my least favorite chapter ever. I, uh, Dumbledore had a job to do. I don't... To me, this makes very much sense. thing that we're doing is more important than your emotions. Or more... Here, let me, let, me let me try to rephrase that. You tell me if I'm right or not. Or the fact that they had family laying in the same graveyard wasn't exactly relevant to anything that Dumbledore was doing with Harry. Correct. It was not relevant. And that relevant. might have been a little weird, too. Like, I mean... What if your teacher came to you and was like, hey, guess what? My grandpa and your grandpa are in the same graveyard. Like, what? Yes. My grandpa and your grandpa. Sitting by the fire. That's a good song. <laughs> All right. Please edit that out. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to. Oh. <gasps> Well, I have no say in this, so do what you will. <laughs> Here's a trivia question. When Harry, Ron, and Hermione use Polyjuice Potion to sneak into the Ministry of Magic, who does Ron turn into? This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. Alright, Lavender. I know you know this, because you've said it before, so... Who does Ron turn into? Reggie Kettermole. 
correct. Reginald Cattermole. The name Cattermole reminds me of the, the Otterton family from Zootopia. I don't know why. Wow. I have to reach way back in my memory banks on that one. <laughs> so when they find the house, Harry grasped the snowy and thickly rusted gate, not wishing to open it, but simply to hold some part of the house. He was grounding himself. Grounding. Mm-hmm. This is an actual term for an actual emotion. This is... Yes. I had actually just recently read a blog post from a young adult woman with autism. And she said that what she does is, um, you know, if she gets too overwhelmed and she needs to ground herself, she actually gets on the ground. She sits on the ground a lot, like at the house. And everybody was always wondering, why does she sit on the ground? And that is apparently very common. And Abby definitely does it as well. Oh. Yeah, no, I lay on the ground all the time. Yeah. Lay flat. That is a, that's a grounding technique. The animals get up and walk away. And I'm like, why you get up and walk away? <laughs> Come back and love me. Anywho. How and why do these monuments exist? And how does Harry not know about their existence? It does seem very sad. They're quite elaborate monuments. But I guess that's just because there's magic involved. So maybe they're not that elaborate. All right. But then Gamp's Law, so maybe they are elaborate. Yeah, there's no good reason to like keep this information from Harry, I guess. No. I mean, and technically, I mean, if the house is still standing, even if it's, you know, half blown up, wouldn't that be Harry's property? Yes. Yeah, he should know about all that, especially when he came of age. Well, unless it's Petunia's. But Petunia would probably know that Harry had it. Right. As guardian. And possibly. Maybe nobody knew who knew who was supposed to tell him, and so it just never happened. And then when Basilda shows up, Harry could think of many reasons not to obey the summons. <laughs> and does it anyway. Yes, very much so. That could be that could be the entire title of the book. Harry knew better and did it anyways. <laughs> also This chapter spent a lot of time letting you know that Bethelda was using her fine motor skills between, like, trying to open the the lock on the door to lighting candles. And I always found it really weird once it was revealed that it was really a snake in a human suit that she had fine motor skills at all. But now knowing that Nagini was human at one point, It makes sense. I wonder how long it's been since she's been in a human form before this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then talking about the wand breaking, Harry says it was an accident. Harry said mechanically. He felt empty and stunned. We'll, We'll find a way to repair it. Yeah, he was just on autopilot. Bless his heart. Autopilot. (laughs) And then the next chapter is the life and lies of Elvis Dumbledore. Which I have absolutely no notes. Nor do I. It was just a nasty chapter. Yes. (laughs) It's okay. The next thing I've got, though, is how does Hermione know so many secluded camping places? Because she just keeps taking them to different camping places that she knows of. And to apparate, you have to, like, visualize yourself in that place. So you have to, like, have at least seen it. It's just wild that they don't just go, like, in a circle between places they've already been. Because Hermione, it's just the girl with the plan, man. And also, it's like implied heavily that she's like been on all these camping trips with her parents. But when? I don't know. 
she hardly sees her parents again after the age of 12, except to wipe their memory that she ever existed. They went skiing. Oh wait, no, they didn't go skiing. No, no, she backed out <laughs> and stayed with the Weasleys instead. Like, she just, she really doesn't. She hardly ever sees her parents. No. Yeah, yeah, she, maybe, yeah. Maybe like three days a year, if that, and not even every year. When um, Ron and Harry are trying to figure out who cast the Patronus, um, Ron says that he thought it was Harry's, and Harry says, my Patronus is a stag. And Ron says, oh yeah, I thought it looked different. No antlers. We don't love Ron for his brains. The things look different without it being obvious why they look different. This is a true fact. Mm -hmm. And then after Ron destroys the Horcrux, Harry says, stuff like that always sounds cooler than it really was. I've been trying to tell you that for years. Which he has. Yes. And finally, we'll be covering the chapter Xenophilia Love Good. Um, Harry's practicing with the, the wand that they stole from the Death Eater. And every minor spell he had cast with it so far that day seemed less powerful than those he had produced with his Phoenix wand. The new one felt intrusively unfamiliar, like having somebody else's hand sewn to the end of his arm. Yeah. It's this, this like trying to use someone else's phone and they're like, why it not work? And it's like, I don't know. What did you do to it? <laughs> also, of course, any wand he's going to be using is not going to feel as powerful. But he didn't seem to have this problem with Hermione's wand. But this could also be because Hermione's wand was... He was allowed to use Hermione's wand and this wand was stolen. Oh no, wand lore is complicated. Wands are complicated. We got this fun back and forth between Ron and Hermione. Maybe it's something you need to find out for yourself, said Hermione with a faint air of clutching at straws. <laughs> yeah, said Ron syncophantically. That makes sense. No, it doesn't, snapped Hermione. <laughs> She was testing him. He passed and failed. <laughs> <laughs> Sycophantically. Sycophantically. I'm not even going to attempt it. Psychophantically? I don't know what it means. I'm not going to look it up, though. And then finally, this feels like a conversation I would have, but kind of in reverse. They're talking about the Lovegood house, and Ron says, It looks like a giant rook. To which Hermione replies, it looks nothing like a bird. <laughs> Problem is, I would assume Rook is in the chess piece, but also I'd be the only person who would know that a Rook was a bird. Yeah, probably, because that's not a very common phrase here in the States for a bird. See, for me, Rook is either a chess piece or a card game. With a bird on it. Correct. <laughs> it's like a raven or a crow or something like a Right. Still wouldn't have thought of a bird, though. Yeah, it's a crow. Yeah. Anyway, my overall thoughts for this section of the book is still just Harry feeling like everyone expecting him to know more than he does. Always. <laughs> also, not enough Hagrid this book. Which is a shame. Yes. And then when we do see him, it's like so pitiful. Shh. Spoilers. Okay. Teasers. Well, we got some owl mail. Mm -hmm. Says, hello, I'm making a Harry Potter fan fiction where I play Harry Potter's little sister, who I have named Jessica. She is brought up by a poorer relative and she looks like Lily Potter. I want to do a joke where one of her fellow first years mistakes her for a Weasley before the sorting. Here's the problem. I don't know who else would make this mistake besides Draco Malfoy. 
Should I either make a younger brother for Draco, or can you suggest another pure blood family that could have a child but isn't canonically confirmed? If I should make a little brother for Draco, what do you think his name would be? Thank you for your podcast. I am on the spectrum to you and love hearing about people like me. I need more info because I need to know what, wh- when this takes place. But also, we're looking for s- canon information in something that is so far removed from canon that I don't, I don't, it, I don't, it breaks me. Mm. Honestly, I think, I think we're overthinking it. I think honestly, anybody could probably make the joke. Yes. To be honest, and if they're in Slytherin, all the better. Yes, just random Slytherin. It could be anyone in any year. Do we know of any Slytherins in a younger year, though? Not sure we do. Not off the top of my head. I, I'm also just just not a fan of fan fiction that just does not confirm to canon in any way. Just it it, it upsets no. me. <laughs> no, I'm all for creative writing. I like creative writing within very tightly controlled rules. Then that's not creative writing. Oh, it can be very creative. Like, how can you be so... You you can... You have this vast, vast world where all of this stuff is already there, but yet there's so much more that you could do. One of the things... I, I absolutely love the play Puffs, because... Even though it's meant to be a parody, it is very, very deeply rooted in the canon. Right. Very, very deeply rooted. Everything is, like, accurate, but yet absolutely nothing that happens in this play happens in the books. Other than Cedric dying. Mm. Is that a spoiler? No. (laughs) (laughs) There's the, um, no. (laughs) God, I got nothing. Other than if you're you're trying to come up with a a a Malfoy name, you should pick a, a constellation. Yeah, there you go. You could just do another constellation, and that could be Draco's younger brother, sister, sibling. Yeah. Thank you for writing into us. And we're gonna close out this episode by briefly speaking about Elon Musk who is not a person I ever expected to be brought up on this podcast. (laughs) So, a few weeks ago, he hosted Saturday Night Live, to which he made some awkward jokes, and that was the joke. (laughs) He started off saying, It's an honor to be hosting Saturday Night Live. I mean that. Sometimes, after I say something, I have to say, I mean that. (laughs) So people really know that I mean it. That's because I don't always have a lot of intonation or variation in how I speak. (laughs) Which I'm told makes for great comedy. Spoiler alert, it does not make for great comedy. No, 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 that's the joke. (laughs) He then goes on to say, I'm actually making History Night as the first person with Asperger's to host SNL. And then a weird follow-up. Or at least the first to admit it. This is weird on a lot of levels. One, it it feels very self-diagnosed and not necessarily clinically diagnosed, which is kind of weird, but maybe it is. The other problem is he's not the, the first. Dan Aykroyd? Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd is 
diagnosed and has hosted since being diagnosed. So it's just kind of inaccurate. But then he goes on to make um, all of the same jokes that every other Asperger's comedian makes about making lots of eye contact and being very good at running human in emulation mode. Yeah. Then he says, I know I say or post strange things, but that's how my brain works. To anyone I offended, I just want to say I reinvented electric cars and am sending people to Mars in a rocket ship. Did you think I was going to be a chill, normal dude? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It was very stilted and, well, one, his delivery was really, really bad. But also, it felt very much like the writers had no idea what to do, and so they just wrote (laughs) bad jokes, and he read them. Yeah, they didn't know what to do with this Musk character. It's it's like he wanted to get personal without bringing his companies directly into it, and this is all they had. Because I'm still not convinced that he's not a robot. I mean, I, I kind of have mixed emotions on this, to be honest, because in like some ways, I feel like it's good for the autism spectrum community to get like this kind of exposure, I guess. I, 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 I guess. But he, but he. He's confusing. Yeah. I mean, at one point, everyone liked him because he was doing good stuff for environment. And then like a week later, he, turned he was into being Lex a- Luthor. <laughs> It, it, he's just very... Also, he had his mother on for some reason, and they talked about a video game he made when he was 12. It was awkward, too. It was very awkward. She was more awkward than he was. Which is kind of hard. And the special guest was Miley Cyrus. Um. <laughs> so, with that, if you would like to join our conversation... Uh, you can send us some owl mail. Our address is spewcast at gmail.com. You can send us a howler by sending us a voice memo there or clicking the link in the description or giving us a call at 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Spectrum People. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash spewcast. We're on Instagram as well at SpewPod and TikTok at SpewCast. And as always, we'd like to thank Joan Burr for our theme music. Until next time, I'm Quirinus. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Lovegood says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye! Bye! Baby Koopa, 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 Koopa,